to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Man, what a test me. I didn't actually know that was going to get played today. I'm actually a huge UFC fan and it's actually amazing if you watch it how many of them are Christians and when they walk out they come to like um, Holy Spirit you are welcome here before they go into the um, ready to fight but I don't know what that's about but anyway. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 5 tonight so if you want to turn there. Thanks for praying for me Um, it was good. I'm going to pray for myself again I'm not normally nervous, but today, for some reason, I feel like um, super nervous, so I'll pray again. Yeah, Lord, thank you for everyone who came here tonight, and um, I just really welcome you in this space. I just really pray that you're, um, I give you my mouth, I give you my tongue, and I just pray that you'll control it, uh, shut my mouth if I need to not say something, and open it if you want me to say something. I just really pray um, there'll be more of you and less of me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we'll be um, reading from Ephesians 5, 1 to 17. It's a really long passage, and it's pretty intense. I'm going to keep it really simple tonight, but I'll start reading through it now. Okay, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragment offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be Obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of these you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idler, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I'll just read from 15 again. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the main verses I'll focus on tonight is 15 and 17. 
And the first question I get from 15 is, so it's possible to live unwise lives even as believers of Christ? It's possible to be foolish even as Christians? And the answer is obviously yes. Um, it's really clear in the scriptures and the Bible. But then my next question was, what is a fool then? What is an unwise person? And it's very interesting what the Bible says a fool or unwise person is. So that's what I want to paint a picture first, is let's find out what a fool is. So I'm going to read some scriptures and explain them. Don't bother turning to them. I'm just going to read through them and just listen to them. So what is a fool? Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So they don't want to be told um, how to live. They despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So the fool always thinks they're right. Proverbs 18. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Proverbs uh, 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. When you get those last two verses together, you sort of get a picture of a person that, because of their mouth and rage, put themselves into a fight. But I think the ultimate verse in the Bible that describes a fool as Psalms 14.1. It says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. This is a poor person that foolishly lives their life outside the knowledge of what God wants them to say or do. They're going to do it their own way. And I would say that most of us, including myself, have been there. We have lived our own life. It was actually, um, uh, I was driving home from church today, Izzy and me, and we're driving on this road, and probably about five years ago, I was driving the opposite way, and I remember driving and thinking, man, like the classic line, I'm going to do it my own way. Um, I remember thinking, man, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it. I don't care if I feel guilty about it, why should I? I should just have fun, and that will be the best outcome of my life. What's super ironic, what we'll get to, but what Ephesians 17 says is this kind of foolish person, what they need to do is seek God's will. So in Ephesians 17, what we just read, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what does this tell me? This tells me that God's will is knowable and he also expects us to seek it out. It's not that hard to find what God's will is. It's, you, it's not like a deep, dark secret. You don't have to go on this specific mountain at like a specific time of year and um, go there and you find God's will. You don't have to go on some crazy pilgrimage. There's millions of people around the world every year that go on a pilgrimage to find God's will. And some of them are pretty gnarly. Like, for example, there's one in uh, South America. And they walk like 100 miles. And the last little bit, they go on their hands 
and knees, and it's actually stained with blood because people are so desiring to know what God's will is. It's actually really sad um, to think the efforts of what people go to. But God's will is not that hard to find. It's actually in his word in the Bible. And tonight I'm going to um, tell you what God's will is um, for you and for me. And just as I described what a fool is, I'm going to describe what God's will is. Now, uh, Luca and Joel, your job tonight is to cough if I'm talking too fast. Because last time the critique was I talked way too fast. Okay, so what is God's will? Timothy 1, chapter 2. Oh, don't bother turning to it again. I'll just read for it. Timothy 1, chapter 2, verse 3. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of Him, and come to the knowledge of God. So what is God's will? God's will is that we come to know Him, that we come to know the truth. Another one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So what is God's will? That we live morally different than the world. Now, this was hard 2,000 years ago, and it's hard today. And the church struggles with it. Um, people my age struggle with it. New Christians, old Christians struggle with it. And it's, you don't have to look far, even in New Zealand, why there's such a struggle with it. Take the whole issue of porn today. Making This is what I just heard uh, yesterday. It's making millions with apparently the most beautiful humans on the face of the earth. But it's stirring up the ugliest desires and passions you could ever have. Passions no human being can ever fulfill. Because it takes away the possibility of the impact of a person, but puts in its place a feeling, a desire as an ultimate pursuit, a desire as the ultimate goal to go to, where no human can satisfy. Lust of the heart and lust of the flesh is what our world is bowing down to. And this verse talks right into it. It's saying God wants us to live morally different than that. And at times... We will fail, but that's, in a sense, what God's saying in here is he wants us to get up, look to him, and seek that life of morally different in the world. Another one, uh, Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for God's, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Last week, Murray was leading worship. And he said, what do we do in hard times? We come and worship. And um, the song was about thankfulness. And this really touched me because I knew a couple of days before his sister died. But yet he still came and he was worshiping and he was thankful for what God had done for him in, in his life. This is the kind of um, attitude God wants us to have in this verse. And the last one, what I think is really the ultimate one, what most of you will know, is Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you. So it's not that hard to find God's will. The 
let me just say, all those examples that I gave of God's will, like being wise, not unwise, not being foolish, living morally different than the world, attitudes of thankfulness, it all starts with Matthew 6.33, seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added on to you as well. When we do that, our, God changes our hearts and minds with the Holy Spirit. And I think someone will probably touch on that in the later verses. But there's a verse that I was thinking about today in Romans, and it talks about the renewing of our mind. And that's what God does when we seek his kingdom first. That's the most important thing. But you might ask, what about more specific things? Like, oh, who should I marry? Or something like that. I would probably answer Matthew 6.33. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. When I was dating Izzy, I was going to the village church, and the pastor at the time came to me, Bruce, and he said to me, you need to give your relationship with Izzy to the Lord. And I found that really hard because I was thinking, man, if I give this to God it's all over. And he wants me to be a single guy. And there was actually a joke with my friends because before I went to East West, I, w I said, man, I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to be a single guy for the Lord and give my whole life to him. And like one week later, I was dating Izzy. But, <laughs> but one day I was like at the back of the field and someone must have been praying for me because I suddenly had a feeling, man, I need to give everything to the Lord. What am I doing? I'm so foolish. And so I stood there and I was like, God, you have everything. You have my life. You have my relationship with Izzy. And if that means it to be over, so be it. And then the next day, everything started working out perfectly. These things that weren't working out able to get to Germany in this crazy way. I had no money and um, all these other little things. And I believe God was testing me at that point. He wanted me to seek his kingdom first, not my own. So often we seek our own kingdoms first and what's best for me. But um, it's ironic because what's really best for me is seeking God's will. Anytime we're in God's will, that's what's best for me. So I think if you follow these passages, like Matthew 6.33, you'll be right in the center of what God's will is for your life. In verse 14, it says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Like, I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what darkness you're in, or what you could be in, but I exactly know what I'm in but I know that I should always let Christ shine on me. And how do we do that? We go back to that verse that we read at the start, 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And what is the will of the Lord? Is seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness. I, I wrote this out and um, I want to read it over you. May you know him so that you can forever be with him. 
for he never changes. The scriptures cannot be broken. He has always promised to prepare a place for you and me. If it was not so, he would have told us. Even though things change all around us, it's always changing. He never does. And he is for you, not against him. Seek him out. We must always seek him out. Like Huntley is a crazy place. And I actually haven't lived here, but I've been here. And I can't imagine how difficult it is to live here. But I know that God never changes and he will always be with you when you have Christ at the center. When you're seeking Matthew uh, 6.33, he's not going to forsake you. And I just want to encourage you to seek his kingdom first. And I, I, I honestly believe, like, I'm not planning on being in Huntley a long time. We're thinking about going to Germany. But I believe that God has big things for Huntley and um, big things for uh, youth that I've met. Like Luke and Joel, who's sitting here right now. I know that God's going to do crazy things in their lives. And they have such a gift of leadership over them. Don't you agree? Like... The way that, this is off the spot, but the way that Joel came back from that short-term mission and to see what God was doing through him, I can't wait to see the next step. And then the way that Luca works at youth group and the ability that he has there, I can't wait to see God flame that even more. And there's so many more like Kunui or um, Tyra. How exciting is that? And I want to encourage you that God is doing really good stuff in your um, town. But anyway, I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for this church. Thank you, Lord, for your church. Even though things have changed so much in New Zealand, your church has stand strong and that you'll continue to work here. I thank you, Lord, for Huntley Baptist, and I thank you, Lord, for the leadership and the people that you're drawing in it. I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to overflow in this place, that the dreams and visions that you've put on Murray and other people in the church, that you will um, grow them, Lord, that we want to see your Holy Spirit empower them. And um, Aaron and Amy that are doing amazing things as well, Lord, and they have such a heart for Huntley and so many others like Jeremy and others, Lord, that we want to pray into their visions and we want to see you work there, Lord, and we can't wait to see what um, even a year or uh, more um, is in place, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yeah, sure. It's not that exciting, but I mean, I fully turned uh, my back on God and my family, and I walked out on my family, and I went to f- um, go flatting with some friends, and I was thinking, oh, man, I just want to do it my own way. So I just got into the classic, what probably most of you guys would know, the party scene and the um, drugs and stuff like that. And I got to the point where um, I was sitting there one day and realized I'm super depressed and I want to commit suicide. And I was actually super legit. And um, one day I went into um, my garage at my parents' house and I thought they were in Auckland, funny enough, for a funeral. So I walked into the garage and grabbed um, methylated spirits and I was about to down it because I was like oh I heard this is one way to kill yourself and then my mum just comes bursting in the door and is like 
um, Nathan screaming at me, grabbed out my hand, and um, God told her not to go to Auckland, that something's wrong with Nathan that day. And then um, she stopped that, and we went and sorted help. Um, it didn't really help because I wasn't willing to seek God at that time, exactly what this verse is talking about. I was still foolish, and a foolish person needs to seek what the Lord's will is. And I kind of went back into that. And then um, one day, nothing was changing. And I was driving again to work. And a voice came in my head and said, if you want, pretty much a voice, um, if you want things to change, go to church. And I was like, man, that's the last place I want to go to. But I was thinking about that. And I was at work. And I was like, maybe I just go to church this Sunday and see what happens. And then... I went home, and no one was at home, and I walked inside of my house, and suddenly there was a presence there, but not a good presence, a really weird presence. And it was a little while, and I was looking around my house, but no one was home, and I said to myself, Nathan, there's no one here. Like, you're crazy. There's nothing happening. And then the next thing I knew, the whole room went pitch black, I went straight down on my back, and I was paralyzed with fear. I couldn't move, and I began to get choked. And I remember thinking, man, I'm going to die. This is it. I had no idea what was going on, but I couldn't move, and I thought I was going to die. And then the name Jesus came to my mind, and I was like, I need to say the name Jesus. So I tried, and I couldn't get it out. And then I tried again with everything I had, and I was like, Jesus. And as soon as I did... I remember feeling like even before I finished the word, if that makes sense, the darkness disappeared and light came flooding into the room and the sense of peace that I had been searching in my life came in. And I, was, uh, I never cried and I was just crying, crying, crying. And I was on my knees and I gave my life to Jesus that night. And that's what really changed. And then I started seeking God's will. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church.